Welcome to Have Hope Will Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson, and today I'm here with Jenilee Samuel. She's a podcaster and a pastor. She's here to teach us a little bit about what it's like to hear God's voice. This is a ministry passion point she's had for a number of years, taught a number of different people. And so, Jenilee, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's good to see you again, Katie. Yeah, we just did a podcast exchange where I was on Jen's podcast, Java with Jen. So be sure to go check out that episode as well. Yes. So this time we're going to talk about something different. And of course, that's hearing God's voice. So let's start with like, we can hear God's voice. What? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. You know, um, sorry, I'm shouting at you. A couple of years ago, uh, we, we were college pastors for years and years. And one of our main passions is discipleship. And part of discipleship is teaching people to hear God's voice because The word is very clear, especially in John. He says, my sheep know my voice and the voice of another they will not follow. And Jesus's example for us all throughout scripture was, I don't do anything or say anything unless I hear the father in heaven say it or I see the father in heaven do it. And so the example, even in Romans 8, 14, it says all who are led by the son of or the spirit of God are sons of God. And so we have lots of examples in scripture where there's even a mandate, if you will, to be familiar with hearing God's voice and being led by him. And so uh, there was one time where at a college, I had actually three different people within like a day or two ask me, how do I hear God's voice? Um, Or how do I know I can hear God's voice? And by the time the third person asked me, I was like, okay, Lord, maybe you're wanting me to ask you about this (laughs) instead of just (laughs) answering them off the cuff. So I went in the other room to change a baby's diaper and I was talking to the Lord and I said, Lord, what should I tell him? This question keeps coming up. Is there something you want me to say? And he spoke to my heart and he said, he said, generally my children need to expect that they can hear my voice. Mm -hmm. Most people don't even expect me to speak. They need to know that they can expect me to talk to them. And, um, and that kind of was a game changer for me because I just, I grew up on the assumption. I don't know if it, I don't know that I was taught this or if it's just my own personal, um, wiring, but I just always thought, you know, God knows what's going on. So let's just ask him, you know, God will talk to me. And so I didn't realize that a lot of believers either disqualify themselves and don't know that God will speak to them directly Um, or if they just don't realize it's a reality they can pull on. So it definitely is. So if you are someone in that category of disqualifying yourself and not thinking God will speak to you directly, how do you get over that or kind of brave it through it? I feel like for one, if we disqualify ourselves from hearing from the Lord, that's a huge red flag that you're believing lies about yourself and not believing what God says about you. I, as a parent, If I was to stop talking to my children and yet still be raising them, but I'm not encouraging them, I'm not comforting them, I'm not helping them, I'm not communicating with them, literally that's parental abuse. That's child neglect. And if I as a parent would never do that to my own children, if God, who is a perfect father, why would he ever do that to us? You know. And so putting it in that perspective, sometimes I think breaks down the religious shame and accusation that makes us feel like we're not good enough and just simplify it to you're a son, you're a child of God. He's literally your father and he loves you more than we can ever comprehend. Why would he not speak to us? You know? And so for anyone who would disqualify themselves, I just encourage you to, to like 
rebel against those lies. Those are lies from the enemy trying to prevent you from drawing near to the Father. He's good, and his thoughts towards you are good. He, The Word says that it delighted him to make you his own. And he, he it delighted him while he knew all the junk you've ever done. You know what I mean? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so he 100% accepts and receives us just as we are. And absolutely, he wants to talk to you because he wants a relationship with you. So how do you know it's God? Great question. Okay, man, we're just like shooting right through these. Come on. We're going, we're going, we're going. (laughs) Okay, so this is where the challenge comes in because you are a triune being, right? Meaning you have a body, you have a soul, you have a spirit. The difference between your soul and spirit, a lot of people don't know the difference there. Your spirit is the breath of God inside of you that gave you life, right? It's when God breathed into you and put himself inside of you as a living human being. Um, But your spirit is what gets saved and gets made totally like Christ when you give your life to him. Um, Your soul is the part of you that's still inside of you, but it's your own mind, your own will, your own emotions, your own thoughts, your own desires. It's your personality. It's the things about you where your will has, um, where you have your free will, right? So your spirit is inside of you and the spirit of God comes to live in you when you get saved, but your spirit is different than your soul. And so your spirit is the part of you that's that's eternal. Um, so learning to hear God's voice usually is about us learning to discern the difference between my own inner voice and God's voice inside of me. And then also maybe the voices of people that live in your head, like your mom's voice, <laughs> you know, or or the things that classmates or peers have said to you that kind of that kind of have echoed for years, you know, or whatever. Um, and so discerning the source of the voice. And so to learn to discern and recognize God's voice over those other ones, that's where being in the word of God regularly is important. Um, because if you get familiar with the word and what kinds of things God would say, then it will help you recognize when you're hearing something and you think, oh, maybe that's the Lord. I don't know. You can weigh it against scripture. If it's scriptural, then probably that's the Lord, you know? And so practically speaking, um, there was a, there was a time when I was learning about praying, right? I didn't love to pray. Um, in college and Bible school, I was like, Lord, praying sounds miserable and heavy and weighty and awful and terrible from all these people that talk about travail and all this stuff. And I was like, but prayer is probably important. So how about you teach me how to like praying? And so the Lord took me on this little journey and he said, spend 20 minutes a night in prayer. He said, it doesn't sound like much, but it's going to change your life. And so I started to do that. And in those 20 minutes a night, it was only a few days before I ran out of things to pray. And so when I ran out of things to pray, I would say, okay, Lord, I'm out of stuff. So tell me what I should be praying. And so the Lord would, I would just sit and wait. And that's another important aspect of learning to hear God's voice is taking the time to sit and wait on him. Um, But then I would have this really fleeting thought of a person, you know, maybe kind of like, kind of like when you're daydreaming and a thought just kind of twitters through your mind or whatever. It was just a real fleeting thought, but I would recognize it because I didn't know what to pray. And so I'd be like, oh, so-and-so. And then I'd think about them and I was like, hmm, I don't know what's going on in their life. And so I'd be like, well, Lord, if, if, if that's you and you want me to pray for them, you got to tell me what to pray because I don't know what's going on. And so then maybe I'd get an impression 
or a feeling or um, or a thought or even a specific phrase would come to mind or whatever. It can be any variety of those things. Uh, just kind of insight that I didn't have. Like, hey, pray for their finances. So I'd pray. The next day I'd run into them and be like, hey, I was praying for you last night. And I was praying for your finances. That's just what was on my heart. And they'd be like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what's going on. And so that started my path, my journey of getting quiet enough to let the Lord speak to me and, and hear him when he was speaking. Um, but it also began to train in me the exercise of, of paying attention to what it felt like when it was my own imagination and what it felt like when it was God's voice. And one distinguishing thing I noticed is when it's my own voice, the thought has to formulate itself. I have to think sequentially. I have to think, you know, my, my thought reasons its way through. If it's a thought from the Lord, it kind of like, it's like a bubble that bursts. The whole thought comes at once. And so that's just one thing I have kind of noticed with myself. When it's the Lord, it's like the whole thought can come in one moment and be loaded. But then if it's me, I have to kind of put it together. So anyways, that's, that's kind of in that direction. I've noticed that too. When it's my own thought, it like makes sense from wherever I came from. Even if it's like a weird jump, it's a jump that makes sense to the way my brain works. Yeah. But if it's from the Lord, it's just something totally random that you're like, I don't have any idea where this came from, but I I feel like I need to act on it right now. Yes, that's great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. So what if you're sitting there and you're praying for 20 minutes and you ran out of everyone you know to pray for in five minutes and then you've got 15 minutes left and nothing's coming? Um, Personally, now I know different denominations feel differently. Personally, I pray in tongues. Um, because, uh, that like the word of God says in Romans eight or seven, where it says the spirit of God helps us and he helps us through prayers of, and utterances that words cannot express. And so that's basically the spirit inside of you is praying in a heavenly language and praying the heart of God. So I'll pray in tongues until I get some insight. And that's usually actually a vehicle for me. Like when I, I could, I could, you could put anybody in front of me. And I can lay hands on them and I can get a word about them. The Lord will show me insight about them. Anybody, put anybody in front of me and I can do that. Um, but praying in tongues is part of how I do that because my mind is limited, but God's is not. And so praying in tongues is how I, the word also talks about building up your spirit and your most holy faith and praying in the spirit on all occasions. Um, that's how I build up my spirit. I pray in tongues. Um, for other people that maybe ha don't do that or whatever, um, there was a time when I didn't and, uh, I would just read the word of God and maybe worship. Worship is a really great way to access. I say access, like you don't have access. You do always, but, um, to kind of sensitize yourself, if you will, mm -hmm. to the presence of God and to his spirit and kind of bring your guards down so that, so that you could hear and receive from him more easily. Which again, it's not receiving like he's withholding anything. It's receiving in that we got to get around our flesh, <laughs> got to get our flesh out of the way so we can yeah, tune yeah. into the spirit, you know? Yeah. I think praying in tongues is a good way to get your, get your mind out of the way. That's not something we've talked about a lot on the podcast. So it'll be a fun topic that we get to explore in the future. Yes. Yes. That honestly getting, praying in tongues changed my life. And I, I grew up Baptist, so I didn't, sure. I didn't grow up around that, you know, and, and I yeah. remember even in one of my churches, they kind of were like, Shh, don't talk about that, you know, like, let's uh -huh. leave that alone. But I was like, when I got filled with the spirit, which is just another, another measure of depth of experiencing mm -hmm. the Lord, 
Um, praying in tongues, literally, it's like I began to just know things about the Father that I didn't know before. And for me, if I'm going to go into a, a nerve-wracking situation, I pray in tongues because it get it builds my spirit up so my spirit is leading over my soul. And, and instead of fear leading me, my spirit is leading me. And so I can walk in peace in difficult situations, just praying in tongues. Anyways, no, that's not our topic today. So I'll that's get- okay. That's okay. It's a fun, it's a fun side topic that I'm thinking we need to talk more about this. Cause I mean, I grew up Lutheran and oh, yeah. I do now believe in the power of praying in tongues, but it took me a while to get there. So we'll make that a different episode though, since this is a chance for you to share your story and I'll share mine a different day. There we go. <laughs> so what are some safeguards for walking in wisdom and also being willing to take the step of obedience and risk it when we think we've heard God's voice? Oh, yes. This is where this journey never ends, what you just described. Taking it, I mean, I, there's a, a, a friend of mine who, he's a mentor of mine. He's a prophet, and he's been investing into us for <clears throat> over a decade. He's been pouring into us for years and years. And even at his experienced level of walking in the in the spirit and, and hearing God's voice, he said he still will get nervous. He still will feel that, that tension of risk because we are spiritual beings and we live in a natural world and we will always feel that tension. Even Paul talks about it. He says the, the spirit in me and the flesh in me are always at war. And so you'll always feel a little bit of that tension. Now, the more that you do it, the more you take those risks, the more comfortable you get at navigating with the spirit of God and, and being led by him, that that risk factor and that nervousness will will adjust and will be diminished or whatever. But just don't don't feel like if you're nervous, you're doing something wrong or you're immature or you're off base. It, that's just always going to be there. Sure. So I, I want to preface it with that. Um, wait, now what was the original question? <laughs> The original question is, how do you know when is it a good time to risk it and when is it a good time to take it a little bit easy? Oh, yes. Okay, so there are some some boundaries I've set in place for myself and that we teach our students. Um, if it's directional or correctional, we caution you to take extra measure, I guess I'll say that. Um, because directional being, hey, I feel like God is saying you should move to Africa and that you're going to be a minister. Or, hey, I feel like you should marry so-and-so. Or, hey, I feel like you need to take that job. Anything that has the ability to alter a person's life, mm. there's a lot of risk there. And 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 we never know how pe- people won't always handle us responsibly. So like while I might expect them to handle that word with responsibility and pray about it and seek mentorship, da, 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 some people will just be like, God has spoken, he used that person and I'm moving to Africa, you know? And so because of the fact that we don't know how people re- will respond to those words, we have to temper ourselves with wisdom. And so anything directional, I'm extremely cautious with. Um, and I will usually just pray rather than give that word. If it's something that can change the shape of their life, I will pray into it rather than releasing it. I'll say, Lord, if you're calling them to Africa, I ask that you'd speak to them. I ask that you give them clear direction, bring confirmation, bring provision, etc. Um, if I cannot shake it and it's gone on for days and days and I can't shake it, then I'll go to my leadership and I'll say, hey, I felt like I had this word. Um, it's very directional. Uh, in fact, I did that recently. Um, it was a correctional word actually for, uh, another pastor on our staff, but because it was correctional, I, 
I walked with, um, with, uh, sensitivity. And so I went to my pastor said, this is what I feel like I'm seeing. What do you think I should do with this? And he, in his wisdom, and I deferred to his authority. I mean, that guy was under his leadership, you know? And so he was like, listen, because of his culture, I don't think he's going to receive that from you as a woman. So I think share that with Stephen. If Stephen wants to bring it up with him, he can pray into it. Otherwise, you just might need to pray that the Lord will speak to him about that. And I was like, okay. And so we do want to, there needs to be accountability for the prophetic, which is what hearing God's voice is, is the prophetic. Um, There needs to be accountability because what we say to people affects their lives. So that's, those are some safeguards I put in place with directional and correctional words. Um, I feel like God's going to get you, you're going to be pregnant by the end of the year. I'm really careful with that stuff. That is very personal. People's, people can get really wounded if it doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Um, And so if I'm going to share something that's a little more possibly weighty like that, I will go into it with, uh, what's the word? I keep forgetting all my words today. Um, with kind of like a disclaimer where I'm like, listen, this is what I'm feeling. I could be completely wrong. I want you to pray about this. If it gives life to you and gives peace to you, then awesome. But I'm just, I'm just setting this out there. This is what I had a thought of, you know, but I do that very, very cautiously because I never, ever, ever want to set people up for feeling like that the Lord is taking them on a roller coaster because of me. You know what I mean? So that's the more extreme situations. Um, as far as other stuff, like how to know when to take a step is Ephesians four talks about how the prophetic is there to encourage, to edify, to build up the body of Christ. And so if it's going to encourage someone, if it's going to build them up in their faith, if it's going to, um, support their growth as a believer and it resonates with the word of God, then go for it. If it's like, hey, God just spoke to me how much he loves you. And I just see you getting creative in the secret place. And maybe he's going to give you some new ideas with your music or whatever. That's encouraging. And that's something the Lord can work with. But it's not going to um, be devastating to them if it doesn't play out exactly like I said. You know what I mean? If I'm if I'm wrong, you know, or whatever. So basically, I always measured against the word. If it's going to encourage and edify go for it. But if it, um, you know, the more directional and correctional or mm-hmm. even more specific and weighty that it is tread with caution. Yeah. Those are some of the metrics that I use as well Is am I going to be, is this going to be encouraging to this person? And then it also depends on the person. There are some friends that I know will weigh the word themselves heavily enough that honestly, I'll just throw something at them with a 15% confidence. Yeah. But there are other friends that I will th- I will wait until I've got that like 95% confidence before I share it with them, just knowing this could affect their, not necessarily their life in the move to Africa way, but in their, like their day or their own confidence in the Lord. Whereas the friends who like, I know can take something at 15%, I'm like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. They'll, they'll wash off with it. They'll wash it off and walk away. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times they still resonate or at least one sentence still resonates. Yeah. And so the individual will latch on to the one sentence that resonates and throw away the other five or however many that don't. That's smart. So. Well, and that brings out a really great point in that people who can handle um, a prophetic word and just latch on to the one sentence and throw away the rest. Those are people that 
they can do that. There's a maturity there because they are hearing God for themselves. Yes. They don't, they don't need you to hear God for them because they know how to hear God themselves. And that's the goal for all of us. We, we, if someone gives you a prophetic word in the new Testament, it's different than the old Testament, the old Testament prophets spoke on behalf of God because people didn't have the Holy spirit living inside of them. God literally needed a mouthpiece. In the New Testament, we all have the Spirit of God living inside of us and communicating with our hearts. And so the prophetic is meant to be, an, like I said, an edification um, and an encouragement in your journey to confirm what the Spirit of God is already stirring in your heart. And that's not to say a prophet won't say something unexpected, but in general, by and large, when someone brings you a prophetic word, it should come alongside of and confirm what you're already feeling like God is saying. And so that's always a good wait for me. Like Mm -hmm. if a prophet's going to be in town, I'm like, okay, Jen, do you need him to give you a word or go get a word for yourself? (laughs) That's that's so good. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And the people that I've got the 15% with, I've given them enough words that have been confirming words with something they've already gotten three times that we've just built that trust in that relationship. And there's still no shame in throwing out something that I thought the outside that wasn't actually accurate. Yes. And I, and I love that. Like when you have a relationship like that, you can even say like, Hey, I'm only 15% confident with this, but I thought I'd throw it out just in case there's something to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, cause I feel like if anything, uh, Sean Bowles is so good about this, about like, like, demystifying the prophetic. He's like, listen, here's the fact. You're not a prophet. You're not necessary. I mean, some people are, of course, but, but like, you're not supposed to be a replacement for God's voice in their yeah. life. You get to encourage them. So just let them know you're learning. You know, if he's mm-hmm. like, if you feel like you've got a word for, especially a stranger, introduce yourself as, Hey, I'm a Christian and I'm learning to hear God's voice. And I yeah. felt like it spoke to me for you. Can I share that with you? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's literally no shame in prefacing your word, but people who go in with like, thus saith the Lord and blah, blah, blah. That's just like, mm, sorry, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think framing it with a lot of doubt and putting the fault on yourself, it takes a maturity of your own to be able to recognize, Hey, I was wrong, but this is what I thought versus like putting the blame on God and saying, thus say the Lord, or God said this, like that's going to change somebody's relationship with God versus otherwise it's just going to change their relationship with you. And, and you need to be able to accept, like, I could have messed this up. I am very fallible. Yeah, exactly. Um, But let's go there and let's talk about, because you and I have talked about this before, where we've both had hard seasons where we've questioned what we think we're hearing or what we're seeing doesn't come to pass. We don't see it happen. That can be devastating. What do we do with that? Yes. And, and justifiably so the word says in Proverbs that, um, a hope deferred makes the heart sick and, but, a, but a, a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. <clears throat> and so it's actually a normal human response that when you had your hope set on something or you had an expectation of something when you've been hoping and longing and waiting for a long time, at some point, your heart does grow weary, you know, and that's, that's normal. That's not unspiritual. It's not a sign of massive unbelief, you know, or whatever. It's just normal. Now, what I've come to learn, especially in this season with 2020 and the presidential race and all this kind of stuff, I've come to learn 
that when the Lord speaks something, we kind of do this thing where let's say God says, okay, this one, I've been believing the Lord spoke to us probably 14 years ago, your house is going to be paid off suddenly. And I was like, Lord, suddenly to you and suddenly to me are kind of different timelines, you know, to you a year is like three days, you know, or a thousand years is like a day. I'm like, okay, so your suddenly is different than mine. So I'm still believing for that word in our life. <clears throat> our house isn't paid off yet. I still believe God could do it, right? Um, and so, but there's there's times when my heart gets tempted to like, ugh, maybe we just missed that. Maybe that wasn't a right word, da, da, da. But when that happens, I go back and I look at scripture and I'm like, you know, Abraham had to wait like 13 years for Isaac. Um, Joseph was in the pit for for 14 years. And Paul, he was in the desert for a long time. And he went was in like a ministry training for like 13 years. And Jesus, he didn't even get to start his ministry for 30 years. And so like all these people in scripture, they didn't wait for a couple of weeks. They waited for decades for a word in their life to be fulfilled. I mean, our whole, our whole salvation is built on a prophetic word that hasn't been fulfilled yet. We're waiting on the Messiah to return. He hasn't returned yet. You know, he came the first time, but he hasn't come back yet. He will. And so I encourage myself that sometimes the timeline takes a while. And what I'll do, though, is I will take those things and I'll surrender them to the Lord. And I'll try to discern, okay, Jenny, is this not happening because it hasn't happened yet or because you're expecting it to look a certain way and it's just not looking that way? There's a difference. And so sometimes maybe God will say, um, okay, example, uh, I had been believing for a supernatural miracle in my dental work. I was believing God to just remove my wisdom teeth, radical faith, right? So I was believing and believing for a few years, had a lot of pain. And um, finally, I was like, I can't take this. I'm going to go to the dentist. Well, before I go to the dentist, Prophet Phil, my friend, was standing over me. I had fallen out on the floor. And right before he walks away from me, he comes back and he goes, oh, he says something else, something about dental work. God says he's going to take care of it. And I was like, huh, God heard me in all my believing. He heard me. And so I had that word. So in my head, I was like, God's going to take care of it. Okay. That means God's going to take care of my teeth and remove them or solve the problem somehow. It kept hurting for a long time. So I finally said, forget it. I'm just going to go to the dentist. I go to the dentist. I get the dental work. And then we call back to pay the bill and the dentist had wiped away our bill and totally paid for the bill. Wow. So I was like, wait a second, God did take care of it. I just didn't know how he was going to take care of it. I imagined and expected he's going to yank teeth out of my head. Whereas he decided to use a dentist, but God took care of the bill for me. And so it was a little bit of an epiphany of like, when we get a word, Sometimes we have to be careful that we don't create the how it's going to happen. I mean, Abraham and Isaac, he he had to not put his mind on how God was going to give him nations because God is asking him to go lay his son down on an altar and kill him. And so if, if Abraham was hung up on the how, he might not have been obedient. But the fact was, Abraham was hung up on God is able. In Hebrews, in Hebrews 11, it talks about where Sarah, 
was counted as faithful because she believed that God who had promised was able to do that which he promised. And so when I get a word from the Lord, I have had to train myself. Don't get caught up in what this is going to look like or how it's going to play out. Instead, I just tell God, God, I know you're able. And that's counted as faith. I know you're able and that's where I'm going to camp out. And we're going to let you deal with the the business of how it's going to happen because his ways are higher and his thoughts are higher and his plans are better. And it's probably going to look different than I think anyways. <laughs> no, that's good. And it gives us that grace to to have misheard and to say, I maybe I misunderstood or I'm still waiting to see exactly what this looked like, but it's not played out the way that I want. And we can admit that without having to throw away the whole, I used to hear God's voice and then I messed up and now I don't. Yes. Yes. Cause that can be discouraging. Very discouraging. So uh, how do we get better at hearing God's voice? For one, kind of piggybacking on what you just said, you need to expect to miss it. Mm. You're going to miss it sometimes. When you go to school to learn how to become an engineer, you don't expect to get 100% on all of your tests straight out the gate. They're the hardest at the beginning. And then for every level that you graduate um, and every class that you take, it is going to be challenging, right? And so it's the same thing when you're learning to learning anything, but when you're learning to hear God's voice, you're literally learning. And so there is a learning curve. You're going to miss it sometimes. And even our school of ministry students, we would tell them, you can't graduate unless you have missed a prophetic word at least two times. <laughs> sure. And to be, and that reason why is not because we want to train them to miss it. It's because we want to train them to take the risk and take enough risk where you're going to miss it sometimes. And so it, and, and not to be discouraged when that happens, when you miss it, take your hands off and say, you know what? I'm so sorry. And just own it. Be like, I'm sorry. I'm still learning. And if that was wrong, I apologize. And, um, you know, I, I'm just, I'm going to learn from this and, and you don't have to be shamed over it or anything. So how do you keep learning a take the risk and don't be afraid of failing B spending time in the word of God and, and, getting familiar with what his voice sounds like from the word of God. Mm -hmm. Um, Another way is in prayer and worship, getting in God's presence. I never will hear what Katie would say to me or what Katie's voice sounds like if I never spend time listening to Katie talk, right? Um, You'll get familiar to his voice because you're listening. One of the most foundational things is just ask the Lord, Like the word says, when you come to me and pray to me, I will hear you and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. That's in the Old Testament. He says, if you pray seeking me, you will find me. And those who are sons of God are led by the spirit of God. Jesus said, you'll do greater works than I have done. And Jesus lived by the counsel of God's voice. And so um, you're God's sheep. You hear his voice and the voice of another you will not follow. So understanding like your spirit once you're saved, your spirit is wired to tune into God's frequency. And so prayer, spending time in the word, practical things like what I did in learning how to pray, that 20 minutes you run out of stuff and just say, okay, God, speak to me about somebody. Tell me what to pray. And then when you see them say, hey, I was praying this for you. Did that resonate? They're like, oh my gosh, that was a super low risk way to learn. Because even if I was wrong and they're like, huh, that's weird. I haven't been dealing with that and be like, okay, well, that's all right. You know, maybe it's for the future and there's no risk. It's not like I'm like putting something on them. I'm just saying, Hey, I was praying for you. And this is what I was praying. Um, 
Another practical way to kind of exercise that muscle is uh, we did this in Bible school. You can just carry a notebook around or a note on your phone or whatever. And whenever you feel like God might be speaking to you, just write it down. Do it for like a week. And just whenever you feel like God's speaking, just write it down. And um, at the end of the week, look back at it or even at the end of every day and evaluate like, did that seem like God? Maybe that was, what did that feel like when I heard that? Where did that pop up in my mind or did it pop up in my heart or did it pop up in my gut? You know, like, where did I feel that? Um, so that's a really practical way to just develop the the paying attention and, and the sensitivity. Yeah. Can you share some examples of what this has looked like in your life? And in the most smooth transition ever, we want to hear the Hurricane Harvey story. Oh, okay. Oh, well, then God's voice is all built into that story. So we'll- <laughs> okay, so practically speaking, <clears throat> Hurricane Harvey happened in 2017. And as every we're in Hurricane Alley down here on the Gulf, you know, and so every time there's a hurricane, the newscasters are like, death and destruction, you know, and we're like, okay, is it really going to hit? <laughs> and so, you know, as per usual, I was praying and I was like, Lord, do I need to evacuate? Like they're saying it's going to be pretty tragic. Do I need to evacuate? And I heard the Holy Spirit say in my heart, he said, well, you can hunker down if you want to. And I was like, that doesn't sound like much fun. That wasn't real convincing. Not real convincing. So I was like, if we're going to lose power, we're going to lose water. We're going to lose grocery stores. And I have four boys. Let's get out of here. So um, I took the boys and we evacuated. So we evacuate and the storm is coming. I'm going to shorten the story for you. But the storm is coming and we know it's hit. It's the, it's the boyfriend breakup that won't go away. The Harvey just came back like two or three times and it just hovered and, ho- and it was horrible. And um, so it was kind of like the bad dream you just don't wake up from. So we didn't, we knew that we were getting a little bit of water because my husband managed to get back to the house. Um, one of our neighbors, their dogs were, were chained up and they needed them to be unchained so they could get to higher ground. So my husband had to like swim through the neighborhood. And, um, and we saw by that point we had about an inch of water in the house. And so that's all we knew. And we couldn't get back to our house for about a week. So we didn't know what the condition of our home was. Well, during that time, of course, I'm, I'm helping to play relief. Even from Tyler, I was calling in airplanes with relief supplies and, and all that playing a middleman a little bit. Well, I was asking the Lord, I was like, God, we already know we have water. And I was like, I just, I just need a word from you. I just need a word. I just need something. And right when I pray that a friend, um, pops up on my phone and alert. And she said, it's someone I barely knew. I had spoken at a women's conference. And so we were friends on Facebook and that was it. And so she sent me a message. She goes, Hey, you're on my heart. And here's a scripture that I felt the Lord speak to me for you. And it was just like the perfect scripture. And it became kind of like my hallmark passage. I don't remember what it was, unfortunately. Um, but it was meaningful to me at that time. And so that was the Lord speaking to me, you know, in response to my prayer. Well, I, I went to bed and I said, Lord, I just need a sign from you that we're going to be okay. <clears throat> so that night I went to bed and I had a dream and yet another way that God speaks. Um, and in the dream, I walked in my front door and the whole house was white, but I could see water lines on the wall. It looked like they had kind of lapped against the wall and traveled up the wall to almost the height of the top of my TV above the fireplace. And so the dream ended and I had total peace in the dream and that was it. So I wake up and, uh, from what I know about how to interpret dreams and stuff, I I recognize the Lord was speaking. And so I called my husband and I said, Hey, I think you might just need to prepare your heart. 
I know we don't have insurance. I know we don't have savings. And I feel like we may have lost everything. This is the dream that I had. But I want you to know I have total peace. And I feel assured in my heart we're going to be okay. And so he had to kind of work through some anxiety, of course. And and we, we had to at various moments. But I just had this grounding peace that lived in my heart for the rest of the process. But I had a huge concern, which was my children. And when my son, my oldest son, who had stayed with my husband and then ended up coming to me from someone who dropped him off, um, when he showed up in Tyler, he had nappy rain boots on. He had his little tiny backpack with his Kindle in it. And he had dirty clothes on. And, and I said, baby, where's your bag? Didn't you pack? Because I had packed for my other boys because we evacuated. And I said, where's your bag? And he said, well, dad just told me to get some stuff because we were, we were heading to the church because the water was getting high. But I, I thought we were going to be back the next day. So I didn't pack anything. And so like I had to like my heart sank. And I just was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. This is literally all he owns right now. Like it just kind of started to blow my mind a little bit, the weight of things. And I hadn't told my kids yet that we had flooded that badly, but I knew. And so I just was like, okay, we're going to Walmart. We're going to buy you a bag. We're going to buy you some clothes. We're going to get you some stuff. You're going to be okay. And so, you know, we had been trying to live frugally while we were in Tyler, not knowing exactly what we were going to come back to. And, and so there was one night I said, boys, let's go, let's just go have a good night. I'm tired of being kind of stressed out over all this. Let's go do a movie. So after the movie, we go to Burlington and we're walking around and I, I start to preface the the visit. I said, okay, now listen, guys, we're going to go looking. They're like, we know, we know we're not buying anything. So I was like, oh shoot. Okay. So we get in the store and my son, Judah, um, finds this leather jacket. It looks fine on him and it's only $25. So I was like, Oh, try not to spend anything, you know, cause I, we have nothing now. And so I asked the Lord, I was like, God, would it be foolish to buy this? Or can I buy this leather jacket for him? And the Holy spirit speaks to my heart. And he said, generally you buy that for him. And you, I always choke up when I say this, he said, you take care of my babies you buy them things and you tell them it's going to be okay. Sorry, I always choke up because the Lord was just so kind in all of it. And so I cried through yesterday's podcast talking about this too. Sorry. It's beautiful. Um, it is. It was so beautiful. And so I, I turned to the boys and I said, guys, I want to tell you what the Lord just told me. I said, the Lord told me to take care of his babies and that you guys are going to be okay. And so they said, yeah, they were so excited. So I was like, you guys pick out some clothing and pick out a toy and we're going to go home or go back to the hotel. And so they just celebrated. We get in the car and I check my phone and I have two alerts. One is that a friend that I used to babysit their kid in high school had sent me $500 in, in PayPal. And then I get another alert that someone else sent me either $1,000 or $500 and it was in my PayPal. And so in the store as, oh, and then the next day, a friend from high school that I hadn't spoken to in years and they are, they, she said, they never do this kind of thing. The Lord spoke to both her and her husband to send us a thousand dollars. So I think I had $2,000 in my account in that moment when the Lord spoke to me, take care of my babies and tell them it's going to be okay. And so we get in the car and I see that and I just start celebrating. And I told the boys, I said, look, God's already taking care of you, you know? And so that started the trajectory of our experience. I still hadn't told them about the house though. So they still didn't know. And so I said, Lord, how do I protect my kids from the trauma 
of this. Now, I want you guys to notice, I'm going to the Lord with questions. Mm -hmm. God speaks because we ask questions, right? He's a good father. He answers our questions and gives us direction. So I said, Lord, how do I protect their hearts? And the Lord spoke to me and he reminded me the words of Bill Johnson, who said, I stay encouraged by looking for what God is doing. And so that became my mantra that I, and my mindset that I carried through the rest of the entire experience. And I told the boys, I said, guys, listen, yes. And I finally told them about the house and we would process it every night, a step at a time, you know, but I told them, I said, guys, listen, we may have lost everything, but here's what I know. I said, a, the devil is not allowed to steal from me. God blessed us with this house. The house was a miracle to begin with. And that's another story for another day, but God blessed us with the house. And the devil's not allowed to steal. So this is a setup for a blessing. And so we're going to watch and we're going to see how God turns the situation around for our good. We're going to watch for what God is doing. And so every day from then on out, like, and you guys, it was, it was so many miracles. We don't have enough time in this episode to recount it all. But like, we didn't know where we were going to live when we came back. And someone from church said, I have a rent house. I want you to live there. No rent. I will pay the utilities. I will pay the electricity. You guys just live there. And we were like, what? And then another family said, we want to buy your boys bikes. A church from Kansas said, we want to bless a pastor who's flooded. Can we buy beds for all your children? Because I mean, like we were sleeping Mm -hmm. on carpet. We didn't have anything. And so there was moments in the, in the process that overwhelm would start to creep up where I, you know, we got in the rent house and, and all the boys were sleeping on, on air mattresses. And I realized I didn't have beds for my kids. And it just, it started that overwhelm started to try to overtake my heart. And I just stopped it. And I said, no, I said, we're okay. We have a house to stay in. God is going to take care of us. This is going to be a blessing. And I just continue to look for what God is doing. And as long as I kept that perspective, we saw miracles Every, wow. I'm not even lying, every single day, I'd pick the boys up from school and they'd be like, what did God do today, mom? And we would celebrate what God did that day. And, but there was like one week where I started to let overwhelm get the best of me. And I started to kind of pray out of a begging place, like, God, please, we're going to need blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I saw no responses to those prayers, none, mm-hmm. no responses. But then I realized I stopped myself and I said, you know what, Lord, I haven't stopped to thank you in a while. Just thank you for paying off the kids' tuition. Thank you for covering the kids' lunches. Thank you for the clothes you provided. Thank you for this. And thank you for the buckets of, of belongings that, that was provided for my sons before we even got back. You know, and, like, and then after I did all that, I said, Lord, there are families in our church who have suffered. Would you please provide financially for all these homes? Mm-hmm. And the next day, not joking, the next day, Good Morning America called our church and said, listen, your church has been a resource in the area. We want to bless the families in your church with $2,000 gift cards to Lowe's. And we're doing a up in Houston and everyone who flooded, have them come and they can take anything that they can carry and drive home. And so as long as my perspective was built around looking for what God was doing, A, I stayed encouraged and so full of hope, but God did miracles on our behalf. And then at the end of it, my prayer had been, how do I protect the kids from the trauma of this, yeah. right? At the end, at the end of the year, I asked the kids to look back over the year as a New Year's like thing that we do. I said, what was your favorite part of the year? It was a hard year. What was your favorite part? And they said, mom, Hurricane Harvey was our favorite part of the year. And I was like, why? And they, 
because we got new stuff and God took care of us and God did this and God did that. And I was just, then I cried because God just fulfilled his promise to me, you know? So, um, that was, that was a very, uh, poignant time in my life where, where hearing God's voice made the difference of how that whole experience went. And I'm so grateful for God's kindness to speak to us and to draw us into what he's capable of doing in our lives. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that story because that's beautiful. Yes. Yes. Sorry. got a little long, but no, that is quite all right. So we have had one podcast about hearing God's voice. I know on your podcast, you've got what, four episodes on it? Something like that? Yeah, about six. Six? Two more that I didn't even know about. (laughs) So where can we connect with you online if we want to keep learning? Absolutely. Um, Java with Jen is the name of my podcast and it's on all major platforms. So you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, um, a bunch of the other ones. Um, and if you, let's see, I believe if you just search even Java with Jen, hearing God's voice, it should pull, it should pull it up. Um, there should be six episodes, but if you just find my channel, I've only got 50 or so on there. So um, you can scroll through and see there's a couple down closer to the beginning, like some, one of the earlier episodes. And then there's four that are maybe around 37, 37 to 40 is those episode sure, numbers. Sure. And so that's a great place. Cool. cool. And then you're on Instagram and Facebook as well? Yep. Instagram and Facebook. I'm more active on Instagram. I just kind of send everything from Instagram to Facebook. So Instagram's really where I stay active. And that's Java with Jen is my hashtag or my handle is Java with Jen. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So we've got two final questions. The first one, would you be willing to pray for us? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Do you want to pray now? I can. Is that, is that, are we saving the second question for after that? We're going to save the second question for after that. Okay. Excellent. All right, Father, I thank you so much, Lord, first for Katie and for her voice and the way you're using her, both in her in her workplace and in her community and her church, and then on the podcast as well. And Father, for all of the listeners who tuned in today, <clears throat> Holy Spirit, I ask, Lord, that something from this um, episode would be like a nugget, a seed of life in their hearts that would transform the way they relate to you and transform the way they approach hearing your voice. And Father, I ask that as they've listened and their hunger has been stirred to connect with you more deeply, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you would take them on a journey of learning to hear your voice in their life. God, that they would not be afraid of the learning curve. They would not be afraid of the risk, but Father, that they would chase after you knowing that you are a good Father who loves to speak to them and give them wisdom and counsel and guidance for their life. So Father, just awaken that inside of them and and activate their spiritual seeing and hearing that they would access your voice in an easy, simple, readily accessible way, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's so good. So our final question is one that we ask everyone who comes on the show and you can interpret it in the context we've already had in the context of the conversation we've already had, or you can take it a totally different direction. Okay. What do you wish everyone knew? Oh, okay. What do I wish everyone knew? Okay. Well, that's going to be a little cliche after this episode, but I really do wish everyone knew that God loves them and wants to speak to them and wants to be their very best friend. And that sounds maybe so cliche, but I, that's, it's, that's my, that's my personal mission. Like Christians, even Christians don't even realize how much that God is partnered with them and he endorses them. And yeah, that's what I wish people do. (laughs) That's so good. 
So, Jenilee, thank you so much for coming on the show, for sharing your story, for sharing your wisdom, for helping us hear God's voice better. I always consider content good when I have to go sit with Jesus and I'm like itching to go sit with him right now. So (laughs) I appreciate it so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. And um, I just pray that that this is fruitful and effective for your listeners, too. As always, big thanks for listening. Be sure to connect with Jenilee Samuel at Java with Jen. That's a podcast, an Instagram handle, as well as a Facebook. Take a listen to episode 53. You may find a familiar voice. Remember, my friends, the Lord wants to be found by you. He wants you to know how to hear his voice. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to delight over you with song. So let me know how it goes. You can email me at katie at katieaxelson.com or, of course, I'm on Instagram at katieaxelson and Facebook as katieaxelsonwriter. This episode was helpful. We would appreciate it if you left a rating, left a review, shared it with a friend, and we will be back in two weeks. Be blessed, my friends. Know that you are loved. Know that you matter. Know that I care for you. Bye-bye.